Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you all, with Grace and with uh, Encounter Church. Thank you so much for coming. If you don't know me, um, my name's Dan. I'm one of the pastors at Encounter, and it's, uh, it's truly a blessing to, to be here with you all. And I um, just want to thank the worship team for really, um, what a good prayer for us. As we enter into our pastoral prayer, I think the heart of that song just resonates with what we long for as Christians, that we would see Jesus and know him and be known by him. Amen? And so with that, let's, let's pray and ask him to show us himself this morning and to, to do for us what only the God of the universe can do. Let's pray. Lord, we do, we do pray that you would, you would come and make your presence known. The goodness and the mercy of Christ, his character, his lordship, his power, his wisdom, his might, his grace, his forgiveness, that we would know that today on a deeper level. Show us Christ. And that's our longing, Lord God is that you would show us Christ and reveal him to us in such a way that our hearts would only respond with love and adoration and worship to you. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, we, uh, we do recognize that, God, we, we want you to act on behalf of your people. And uh, this morning, Lord, I want to pray for Evelyn as she's having eye surgery tomorrow. Uh, and she is struggling to see out of an eye. God, I pray that, uh, that you would heal my sister. That you would give the doctors wisdom and grace and discernment. And that Jesus, you would show her that you are the great healer. And that she'd be able to see again. And Lord, as I, as I think of that, I think of Donna. I think of Matt's mom who's having serious heart conditions, and I pray for her, Lord, and her healing. I pray for Sharon Reynolds, Lord, as she has been walking through just difficulties with her health as well. We pray for healing for these families, Father God. And I also want to pray just for Donna Sims, for Dave and Beth, for, for Ben and Jenny, for Eric um, and Bruce, Lord. I pray that, that you bring healing and grace in their lives, and that, Lord, you be near them, through thick and thin, through victory and defeat, that you would make your presence real and known with them and that you would uh, show them yourself, that they would see God and love him. And Father, as I come to you this morning with your word, I pray that you would um, just teach us, show us what it means to live in this world, in such a divided world. Show us what it means to walk faithfully, to live faithfully, to live lives of wisdom in this world. I ask it in your name. Amen. 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 Well, we are, uh, as a church, we're, we're doing a series that we thought would be helpful for us at, a, at such a time as this. I think, I think if you kind of take a step back and look at the world we live in right now, uh, you would say we live in some sense in a, in a world of contempt. We live in a world that's divided. Uh, there are culture wars uh, going on right now in so many ways, so many levels. And even, in, in, even with Christians, you see it happening. 
And I think God, God is inviting us to, to understand what it means to live faithfully in this place in such a time as this. And really, I think what, what we need as Christians is discernment. Wisdom. Wisdom on how to speak and what to say. And how to say it. And how to have a tone about us that's the fragrance of Jesus. We do have truth. But there's a way to speak with grace. That is wisdom and discernment. We stand up for what's right. We stand up for God's word. But if our actions don't match our words, then what are we doing? We need to learn what it means to walk with wisdom in the world. You know, you can recognize people by how they walk. You ever notice that? Uh, some of the folks who are MMA fans, you might know this person. When he comes out, Conor McGregor comes out, he has to walk about him, right? Some of you folks in the 70s, you know, when, when John Travolta, he had a little strut to him. You recognize that walk he had, the confident walk? You think about people. Someone walks in the room and they're, they're very confident, right? Or you see a person who's kind of depressed and discouraged and they walk in the room there. You recognize people by how they walk. You can see right through them just by how they walk. My question for you is do people recognize you that you're Christ's by how you walk? Do you walk with such a wisdom about you that people see it? That's kind of the big idea. This is kind of where we're landing this morning. This is the big idea for this morning. Is that you would walk with wisdom. If you want to put the next slide for me. If you would walk with wisdom in such a way so that people see your good character. Walk with wisdom in such a way that people see your good character. Let's take a look at God's word this morning. If you would turn into uh, the New Testament, to the book of James. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. James, I love James because James is so practical. James is like a whole book of application. Like if you want to know what does the Christian life look like, you read the book of James. And you say, oh, that's how I should be. That's how I should act. Because my actions matter. Not just my words. And so let's read James. It says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom that's from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. 
James is inviting us in this world to walk with wisdom. And I like how Paul says it in Colossians. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. As a wise word. And I pray that we can live it out in the world we live in as we live faithfully in this divided world. And so let's just take a look at James. We're going to camp in James in chapter 3 and chapter 1. And here's what I want you to see. What is wisdom and what's not wisdom? And what we're going to see is, is wisdom is living out life before others that they would see good character. Wisdom is what? The application of knowledge. That's how the Proverbs would say it. My actions matter. That's the wise person. And so, taking a look at verse 13, he starts off with what? Be knowledgeable and understanding. That's what it means to be wise. Someone who's knowledgeable and an expert in understanding. This person's educated. And for us, it means knowing the truth. It means knowing the word of truth. And thinking of Timothy, what did he say? That you would rightly be able to handle correctly the word of truth, God's word. That's why Jesus said what? In John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Sanctify them by truth. How are we growing in, in, a, in a true knowledge of seeing and understanding and knowing Christ as we know his word. Are you a people who bleed Bible? Or do you just bleed social media? Or TikTok or whatever you do with your, your extra time? Or do you know God's word? We know truth. But I, I want to go beyond that because I think he points to this. It's not about just knowing truth. It's, it's more than that. Because have you, have you ever been around the smart person in the room that really does know everything, who's smarter than you. But the person's so smart that, no, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to talk to you. That's not the kind of Christian I'm talking about. That's not what's needed in this world that we live in. I need a person who knows the truth. Why? So that their good works shine. That's the point. Take a look back at verse 13. It says, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works. It's your character. The wise person shows good character. It's not just mere intelligence. It's who is the person on the inside that comes out on the outside. That's what it means to be wise. And what you think about this, what is the aroma of your character? Are you stinky? Are you sweet? That's the point of what Paul was saying and what Andy read earlier. Thanks be to God who in Christ 
He leads us in triumphal procession. I think this slides up next, I think. Here you go. He leads us in triumphal procession. And, and through us, what does he spread? The fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Because we are the aroma of Christ. Do you smell like Christ? That's what he's saying. The wise person smells like Jesus. You can understand this like... When you're walking along the street, we, Christy and I were out in downtown Janetown, we're walking along the street, would I smell? A food truck. And then when I smelled that thing, I was like, mmm, let's go. Right? It attracts people, right? Flowers are fragrant. They attract people. How about you? Is your life so inviting you attract conversation? You welcome conversation. That's wisdom. That's what it looks like. Not only is this, is this a wise person that is, has good character, this person is, is meek, right? That's what it says. Taking a look back, it says, um, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I think that's fascinating. Like, I'm going to show you my good character, and it's always going to be in meekness, as opposed to what? Pride. A smart guy in the room. It's meek. It's humble. It's gentle. It's courteous, kind, polite. Do, do you have a gentle friendliness about you? I think that's where he's going. You're so meek and gentle that your character is warm. You're easy to get along with. You're the person who's opposite of harsh. That's who you are. And I think James gives us a, more of a clinic on what it means to be humble. When you go back to James 1.19, I think that's up there too. It says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So what does it look like to be humble and meek? Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to be angry. That's humility. Defined very well. Do you listen to people? Whether it's your spouse, your friend, the non-believer in the room that disagrees with you, do you listen to them? Would you shut off conversation? A humble person listens to others, and they don't interrupt. They truly listen in such an, uh, an intentional way that they could sum up what the person just said to them. The humble person asks questions to seek to understand. Do you do that in your conversation? I, I mean, James has given us a clinic on Communication 101. The wise person asks good questions. Because they are humble and they want to learn how to listen. This is the epitome of wisdom. So he goes on. But I think he, even another aspect of this humility, right? It's, it's when I, I'm quick to listen. And number two, right, slow to speak or taming your tongue, right? 
to learn how to tame the tongue, to be quiet, to not always need a response. It's often emotional, by the way. Can you gird your emotions? Do you lack self-control? Or can you truly be quiet and listen? It's true that actions speak louder than words. That's very true. I, I think you see that. It is wise. But, but the proverb says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your words do matter. They speak life to someone or they kill someone. Your words matter. How do you speak? What's the tone of the way you say things? James, I think this is up there too. I think it's the, the next one. If anyone thinks he is religious and he doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, his religion is worthless. I, I want you to process that one, okay? If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religious is worthless. Can I just say, like on social media, in this crazy political environment we live in, who are you in social media? Are you the person that is just speaking and no one's listening because to them, you are so harsh that your religion is worthless? You're so responsive that there's, there's no echo of grace. There's no aroma of Jesus in what you say. I, I think this is wisdom. Wisdom is this. When there's contention in this political world we live in, in, this, in, this, in, in some things you disagree with, and you can make this towards coworkers, you can make it towards Facebook, this is a wise word when you're in contention with your spouse or your mother or your dad or your brother or your sister. Wisdom is this. Pray this before you speak. Jesus, govern my words. Is what I'm about to write or say, is it your truth or my truth? Is it in line with your character and how you treat people? Pray that before you speak. The Lord might give you a different answer because you're taking your, your words and giving them to him. To say, Jesus, tame my tongue. Help me to speak as you speak. That is wisdom. So not only that, so it's, we see wisdom in, in how we use our language, how we tame our tongue. But if you go down a little further, he defines more wisdom is. He says that wisdom's pure, innocent, blameless, like God. He's pure. Wisdom is his, because he's without error. That's what it means to be pure. But then later on in James chapter 1, I think that's up here next, it's interesting how he defines pure religion. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Catch this. It's to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. 
and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So a wisdom that is pure acts on behalf of people who are hurting. People who are downcast. People who are struggling. People who are broken. People in distress. A wise person reaches out to them. That's how James sees wisdom. You see, it's always working out in good character. Wisdom is always working out in good character. About a couple months ago, we um, encouraged our church to say, hey, we're trying to do good works this summer. And a lady in our church had an idea. Hey, Dan, can we, can we just get a bunch of packages and, and, and fill this with God's word and necessities for life? And every time you see a homeless person, you, you give them something. And I thought, you know what? She understands this verse. She's living that out. And we're inviting our church to step in and say, hey, how can we walk with wisdom and love people well that so need someone to love them? Right? That's wisdom. And he goes on, not only is this wisdom pure, it's peaceable. Right? Verse 17 says, the wisdom above, it's pure, and then it's peaceable. It's peace-loving. It loves peace. It desires harmony. It desires reconciliation. As opposed to the divisiveness we see in our world where no one can agree on anything and we can't compromise. Peace is the opposite of that. What else? This, this, this wisdom, it's it's gentle, considerate, thinking of others before yourself. All right, so how many students in here in the room went to, uh, went to Appalachia? Raise your hand for me. If you went to Appalachia, raise your hand. All my Appalachia people, raise your hand. All right. Rule five, what is it? Get ye therefore over thyself. Get that is being what? Considerate. Right? That's what it means. I will think of others before myself. It's Philippians. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Each of you should look out not only your own interests, but also the other to the interest of others. How are you doing that? The wise person does that. They live out rule five. They get over themselves and think about people first and their interests. Right? You all, um, so often in our culture, we, we got to pick a we got to take a picture of ourselves or a video of ourselves, and it's. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Please hear me. There's nothing wrong in doing that. I'm just saying that if your life is consisting about always taking a look at you, man, you're losing out on all these other people around that we want to care for and think of others. You know, a, a life well lived, a life that's wise, 
It's not focused on me. It's focused on all the other people out there. A life of love, the way Jesus has shown us. That's what it means to be wise, gentle, considerate, thoughtful of others. What else does he say? It says, gentle, it's open to reason. Open to reason. New concept in the world. Open to reason means I am willing to listen to you. Even if I can't stand what you're saying. Right? I mean, it's a tough one. Precursor. You have to be humble to do that. Prideful people, it's impossible. If I disagree with you, see you later. I'm out. And we have totally killed this idea called dialogue. I don't see Jesus that way. I see Jesus open to dialogue. And if, the, if you say to me that he wasn't, well, who are the only people Jesus was not open to dialogue with? Pharisees, religious leaders that thought they knew everything. Well, how many of those do you come in contact to every day? Exactly. Not many. I know there's some, but not many. So don't claim to be Jesus and say, I can do that. Ha, uh -uh, don't work. Read the context of that passage. Let's learn how to dialogue and be kind and considerate and listen to others and respond with truth. Look, I'm not saying we don't stand up and respond with truth. We know God's word. But once again, how we respond reflects the goodness and the character and the mercy and the grace of Jesus, who amazingly, in this world of sexual messed up things going on, went to people who were sexually messed up and uplifted them. He uplifted them and then told them, sin no more. You know what we do? We just say sin no more. That's all we do. Learn how, learn how to uplift people and still disagree and point them to Jesus. Man, there's so much room for that, right? It's full of mercy. I mean, this, this wisdom is full of mercy and good fruits. It's full. It's, it's, it's like gushing out of you. Your goodness is gushing out of you. Your mercy is gushing out of you. So much so that you are a refreshing fruit to other people. Right? You're like watermelon to people. You say, what? Well, have you had watermelon lately? There's nothing like having a good watermelon on a hot, sticky day. Right? It's just, it's just soaked with goodness. Right? You take a bite, it's like, ah. It's just gushing, right? It's gushing with sweetness. Are you? Are you so gushing with mercy that just comes out of you, that you are refreshing to people? Whether it's Christians in the church, whether it's non-believers, what defines your character? Should be mercy. Mercy. And when you're full of mercy, here's what happens. You're not quick to critically judge others. Do you know why? Because you're willing to do something called empathize and see what's going on and walk a mile in their shoes and say, you know what? Maybe they've lived a different life than me. 
I need to kind of understand where they're coming from. Wisdom. That's wisdom. It's full of fruit, right? This wisdom is full of mercy and it's full of fruit. It's full of good fruit. It's full of the fruit of the Spirit of God. It's full of goodness. It's full of Galatians 5, 22, 23. You know the fruit, right? It's full of joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what you're full of. That's the wise person. Your character is so powerfully displayed to others. You are a refreshing presence to them because of the goodness of your character. And not only is it that, it's impartial. Here's what impartial means. You don't show favoritism. Here's what impartial means. It means that you are not racist. Here's what impartial means. It means that when I see people, I see them for who they are. It doesn't matter. They come in all sizes, shapes, colors, personalities, economic situations. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they wear. They could, they could dress like a king or they could dress like a pauper. They could be famous or someone no one knows. Strong are we, great or small. You see them for who they are. But you go beyond that. Here's the thing. You go beyond seeing people for who they are. You treat them the way they deserve to be treated. It's, it's, it's what Pastor Michael preached a while ago. It's the goodness rule. You treat others with the way that you like to be treated. And that goodness rule, it's, it's thinking about this, is, is that when I act to you, no matter who you are or where you're at, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see the love and the mercy of God that has followed me all the days of my life, and I am going to spread that to you. That is a life of wisdom, flowing with good fruit, flowing with mercy and good deeds, impartiality and care for others. And finally, it's sincere. It's interesting, that word, I, 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 I didn't know that word really well, and so I looked it up um, in the Greek language. I don't often use the Greek language because I, I just don't think it's, uh, it's not necessary. But in this scenario, I think it's helpful. The word is anapocrit. Ana prokrit. So not a hypocrite. That's what it means. That you're living a life that's not hypocritical. You're sincere. And in our world, you all, there's such, oh, we so need folks to just be genuine and honest with people and to share the the sincerity and the honesty and the love of the Lord with people and to not be hypocritical. You know, it's, uh, in some sense, does what you say, do you match it with your actions? I, I mean, is, is your life so compelling because of your character they're, they're able to receive you? That's the definition of a person who's not a hypocrite. That is the wise person. And, and why, why does it matter 
that I live wisely like this? I mean, really, why does it matter? He answers that question. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Why does it matter? Because you are the instrument of God to bring about a harvest of righteousness. Your life influences the lives of others. You're that beacon of light that impresses light in the darkness. And the light of Jesus pierces the darkness and changes others. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. These are the people that are the salt and the light. They're transforming through the power of the Spirit to change the world. That's the point that he is making here in James. The fruit of your life brings peace to others. It brings the very peace of God to others. I like what Paul says here in Ephesians. He says, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, therefore, because the light that so shines brightly through you, what should you do? Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Do you see what Paul's implying? What Paul is saying is that when your life is walking with wisdom, you're invading and overcoming the evil. That's why he's saying that. So that's what wisdom looks like. Good character. People see it and they're transformed. But what doesn't look like? Well, let's go back to James 3, verses 14 through 16. Here's, what, here's what's not wisdom. You've got bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts. Don't boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So, what's not wisdom? Bitter jealousy. Bitterness. I mean, we get that. Who wants to be bitter? I want to be sweet. I want to be like a watermelon, right? I don't want to be bitter like burnt coffee. Don't be bitter. Mean, out of shape, nasty, coarse, harsh, hostile, envious of others. Are you content? Are, are you always wanting to have what someone else has? Don't have enough. I should have had that job. I should have had this. And you're envious of what someone else has. Man, that is a place where you're in that place. It is not good for the soul. It is unwise. Selfish ambition. That, that word, Aristotle uses this word to describe the politicians and the political factions of the day. I thought that was interesting. Selfish ambition. I mean, the first word, selfish. Wisdom is not selfish. Let us learn 
how to treat people in such a way that we're not having our pride overriding our heart for them. Is that how you speak? Does your pride override your heart? You, you long for people in this world to know and believe and follow the truth. You know that. In your heart, that's what you want. But do your words come across so harsh that they can't receive it? Then we need to check our selfish ambition. It's not always about winning an argument. Let's be humble. Consider it. And learn to love others before ourselves when we speak with them. I mean, what, right? It's, this, you get this. You get this in marriage. You get this in friendship. You get this. I mean, I got to, um, we celebrate 20 years. And uh, who gave us that gift? Do you remember who gave us the, I can't remember who gave us the gift. We get two, two cups. Kristen, I have two cups, right? I think many of you can, can laugh at this. The one cup says 20 years of all, or 20 years of being Mr. Right. Right. So you know what hers is going to say, right? 20 years of being Mrs. Always Right. You get that. See, you're like, yeah, right? And you know, if you fully live out that principle in your marriage, you're destined to doom. Because that is truly like the epitome of selfish ambition. I am right. And you'll fight to the death because you're right. Many of you are laughing right now, right? Hey, <laughs> you know, that perspective from this verse says that's from Satan. Lacking humility, that defines Satan, the father of pride. <laughs> we need to be checked sometimes with that, Right? I'm so guilty of it. I think I'm right many times in many ways. I'm the great debater. I need to grow in being like Jesus. All right? There's like one thing that I don't debate about, and that's colors. You know why? I can't. I'm colorblind. <laughs> so how, how can we grow in not having selfish ambition with our dialogue, with the way we treat others? That's not wisdom. And finally... What's not wisdom? Being filled with anger. This is the next slide, I think. Uh, it's James 1, verse 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What defines your character? Are you a person who's always characterized by being easily angered, upset, irritated, frustrated? You go off the handle, curse words come flying out just quickly for you. You know, when our anger is that way, there are two things happening in your heart. Anger is expression of a deep lack of trusting God. Anger is also an expression of a deep lack of love for others. 
In our anger, often the outburst is because I didn't get my way. So my question to you is, who's in charge? You or the living God? And do you trust him when things don't go your way? How can you grow in faith and trust him? Because when even the, the, the challenging things happen to you, whether it's with your kids or with your spouse or with your boss, and anger just wants to well up in you, do you trust God enough to work his goodwill in a difficult situation? If you do, you won't respond in anger. But the different response is peace. Because I trust God. And so, let's, let's be quick to not be angry. But, but rather, let's be quick to forgive. Quick to empathize. Quick to listen. Quick to give grace. Quick to see the good in others. That's, that's the life of, of wisdom that, that Jesus is inviting us into. And it's really what it means to walk wisely in, in this world that's so divided. At, at the end of the day, if I were to land on something, okay? Here, here's what I, I want to see Jesus do in us. It, it really is, um, John Mark. It's that prayer of show us Christ, right? Jesus, show us Jesus through me. Show people Jesus through me. At the end of the day, when you disagree with people, because they see your good character, they're still willing to listen to you and hear you out. I think that epitomizes Jesus. The one who is all wise. If you ask me, what does wisdom look like? Look to Jesus. He's so wise. Watch his wisdom when he speaks to the woman who's suffering from sexual sin. Watch his wisdom as he, he works with a political elite and how to speak with them. Watch his wisdom when someone's broken and doesn't know what to do and has nowhere to go. He's so wise. He's so welcoming. He's so attractive. And yet, our Jesus, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. He is wise. He knows all things. He brought life and he brought healing. Let us walk with wisdom today and walk like Jesus so that the world would see our good character and say, I want to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen.